Hi, and welcome back. Today, I am joined by Leif Brian Magallo. He is the CEO and founder of Virtual Workforce Pro. Brian, or Leif as he's known, has a fantastic story. He has worked his way up the entire food chain of the outsourcing industry. He started as a young guy, as a young graduate in the call center industry, and he now has many hundreds of employees of his own in his own business, and he's doing it all a little bit differently as well, which is fantastic. Leaf is based in Iloilo, which is in a secondary or tertiary city of the Philippines, and he has a number of offices all around the provinces of the Philippines, so he's really tapping into the potential of the provinces, which is a great story to hear, and of course we discuss how he goes about doing this with his uh, business. So it was a great conversation with Leaf. I really enjoyed it and really learned a huge amount. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs and we can help you too. We cover everything from business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you're already outsourcing, about to start, or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your outsourcing practices. We list over 700 outsourcing suppliers on our website, host this leading outsourcing podcast, and have over 5,000 pages of content. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. We offer everything from light brokerage, co-managed services, through to fully managed solutions. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Mention that you're a podcast listener and we will give you special attention plus a 10% discount. This is for a limited time only. Go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Hi, Leif. How are you doing? Hey, Derek. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Leif, I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. We've, uh, we've actually been at similar conferences together. We've met a couple of times and we have a lot of mutual friends, which is great. You have a rather intriguing story in that you know, you've gone the full life cycle from effectively working in BPOs, becoming a freelancer, working up through the Upwork hierarchy, and now you have a pretty impressive business uh, off the back of all of that. Just, uh, just let the audience know, how many, how many staff do you have at the moment? Um, well, right now, um, uh, when COVID hit, we kind of like dwindled down our numbers. But right now, um, we have 421 uh, virtual assi- uh, agents and virtual assistants across the Philippines. Wow, fantastic. So great to have you on the show. And Leif, I suppose initially, if you can just introduce yourself and you know, what was your entry into outsourcing? And also, where are you based right now? Okay. So, yeah. Um, so, hi, everyone. My name is uh, Leif Brian Margalo. I am the CEO and founder of uh, Virtual Workforce Professionals. Um, well, I've been in the uh, BPO uh, industry or the call center industry since 2007. Um, basically, I started off, uh, you know, I have uh, several experience working in the call center. I have 
uh, my first experience was uh, um, I was part of a um, like ramp up uh, uh, supporting uh, a flower company in the U.S. to uh, basically take on orders and uh, um, take on customer complaints for the business. And then I also have experience uh, being a uh, uh, telemarketing and uh, telesales agent, basically uh, being a business consultant, uh, providing um, uh, telemarketing and telesales in a sense, appointment setting and lead generation for uh, different industries in the U.S. So I actually work in the call center industry for like almost three years, um, you know, before uh, becoming a, a freelancer. And I'm actually based in Iloilo City. Yeah, and you know we can we can talk about Iloilo as well. And you know I've been lucky enough to go to a conference there and visit the place, and it's really booming now, isn't it? In terms of the the outsourcing industry, which is great to see in some of these kind of secondary cities. Yeah, I think so. I think um, Iloilo is uh, you know one of the um, not just emerging cities, uh, but I think uh, becoming one of the uh, uh, metros where a lot of uh, BPO com- uh, it's becoming a BPO destination because I think of the the supply of workforce here, a number of u- universities, and uh, you know the the work ethics of uh, you know the Elongos are um, you know uh, up there in terms of uh, you know um, you know very hardworking um, and uh, stuff like that. Absolutely, and Leif, so when you you got into the call center industry, you had you were a fresh graduate, uh, and what what was the impression of the call center industry to you, and what what drove you, or what what intrigued you by the outsourcing industry? Yes, um, well, actually, Derek. Uh, the call, call uh, the BPO industry is my very first uh, work experience after graduating in college, um, because of the fact that I think um, you know, just like you said, I mean, uh, when when I graduated in college way back in 2007, um, it, uh, the, the call center industry was uh, already uh, booming all across the Philippines, and it was uh, already starting out. I think there were there were um, two or three uh, call centers here in Iloilo. And um, I was just so, con- so confident in myself where, you know, when, when I graduated, I told myself, like, um, I'm going to, uh, like, apply in a call center um, uh, because I, I was just confident with my English-speaking skills. Um, uh, that time that I told myself that I think I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pass, uh, you know, the, the, the recruitment process, the interview process, and so I did. And also because I think, you know, the call center industry was the fastest, uh, um, you know, industry that I can get into after graduating in IT um, uh, that was, uh, you know, uh, that had a, a good opportunity in terms of I can learn a lot of, uh, you know, work experiences. And, you know, the, uh, the call center industry is um, paying way, way better as compared to other work opportunities that I can get here in Iloilo. And that's interesting, isn't it? You know, because a lot of in in the West there are these uh, preconceptions or maybe misconceptions that outsourcing and offshoring is taking advantage of people and it's not paying people a fair wage. Whereas you saw it as a fantastic opportunity, uh, it was paying higher than most other salaries in Ilo Ilo, I imagine, and you saw it also as an opportunity to build your career and enter sort of something that would offer a career. Later. 
Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, um, when 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 the call center industry I think started out in, in the Philippines. I mean, for me personally, uh, when I was still studying, uh, just like I said uh, before graduating in college, the call center industry was already booming, and um, it was um, I would say it was already part of my radar uh, before graduation. Uh, you know that uh, you know uh, in order for me to uh, have to gain experience immediately um, if I pass, <clears throat> you know uh, the call center industry was a destination that I'd like. To to um, I'd like to like get into uh, right after graduation, and uh, uh, true enough, I kind of like I think passed uh, recruitment process, their interviews and stuff like that, and so you know that was the in uh, the industry um, that uh, became a like a door to my you know professional life. So that was my very very first experience. And just I don't want to pry, but you know you were maybe a 22, 23 year old grad. Uh, college 22, graduate, 22. Yep. What what sort of uh, salary were you earning then in your first course well, um, in in Iloilo? I was earning about um, uh, ten thousand pesos per month that time. Um, and you know, two thousand seven. If you're going to ask me, um, it's way way better um, uh, salary. Uh, just like I said, as compared to other um, you know other uh, industries that I can work into. And uh, you know the the company that I was working with uh, when I was doing telemarketing and telesales also was giving like a um, uh, like a good amount of commission uh, in terms of performance, aside from us getting paid ten thousand pesos per month with uh, you know salary, complete benefits. Uh, we were also like um, getting a, a good commissions and incentives. Like I would say, I if I'm going to think back, uh, my salary that time I would average between sixteen to twenty thousand per month, including commissions and incentives. Wow, and so ten thousand pesos is about two hundred and fifty US dollars per month, mm-hmm. uh, and then, as you say, sort of sixteen to twenty is maybe about three hundred and fifty to four hundred dollars exactly. month. So some fantastic bonuses there. And then, aside from the money, because there's obviously a lot of lot of you know factors to a career and a job. And um, how did you find the work? What were you doing in the call center, and did it really contribute towards the career that you have built since? Well, yeah. I mean, um, I think, um, I mean, if you're going to think about it, uh, my course is basically information technology. It's related to tech and stuff like that. And a lot of people would say that, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the call center industry or whatever business I have right now is, um, you know, very, very far from what I studied in college. But if I'm going to think about it, um, I think I'm, I'm a person that loves to talk. Uh, I, I, I love to talk to people and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I, I, I also um, love to be around a lot of people all the time. And I think the, uh, the call center industry has contributed into where, um, you know, I where I developed my competitiveness in terms of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, healthy competition with other people, because, you know, the call center industry is a very past based has a very past based in environment, um, you know, um, in there on a monthly basis, especially with my industry, I was on, on telemarketing and telesales. So we have monthly quota. So you have to be consistent. You also have to be competitive because at the end of the day, I always want to like see my name on the, like the top performers board. Like they, they always, put their top 10 there and i would say like um throughout my experience working with the with the company i've been, i've always seen myself to uh, on that leaderboard uh, i actually became like 
um, one of uh, uh, employee of the month twice in a row way back in 2008, I think September and October, uh, because of the the performance that I got. Uh, but in a sense, to answer your question, I think, you know, uh, the call center industry has developed a lot of things uh, to our, I know, to me, like my leadership skills, the way I would build relationships, with my colleagues and my teammates, my competitive skills, you know, you just have to, um, you know, you, you, you alone can motivate yourself in a very fast-paced envi- environment as the call center industry. So I think those are, you know, the 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 uh, one of the you know the few of the great things that I've learned starting uh, to work with the call center industry before. Yeah, it's amazing where you can find richness and value, isn't it? Because you know, a lot of people deride uh, call center jobs, but you know, you have learned very valuable skills from a young guy in terms of interpersonal connections and working with other people and also communication and sales functions. So there's a lot of value in in that uh, in the formative years of your career. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, when you're in the call center industry, you would be, um, you know, uh, creating relationships not only with Filipinos, meaning to say you'll be talking and you'll be, uh, especially if you're handling and managing clients. So basically you'll be talking to different cultures, you know, different, um, you know, from different, uh, different, uh, you know, different uh, geographical area around the globe. So you, you really learn a lot of things in terms of their perspective, in terms of work, in terms of life. So it's uh, for me, that's actually uh, that a is already value in terms of how I would be learning new things on a daily basis. Yeah. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was actually a little bit introverted and I found it really hard to speak to people on the phone. It was intimidating. And especially if you're going to have to phone up a stranger and pitch them something. And then especially if, you know, you're in the Philippines and you're having to call foreigners, you know, people that are perceived as being more, I don't know, powerful and more important and limited time. It, there is quite a big intimidation factor, isn't there, to get over and to be, to become efficient at talking to these foreigners. Yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I mean, uh, um, I think in the uh, Western countries are very receptive, especially if they hear um, like a little bit of accent, uh, especially to the, uh, you know, if you're, um, you know, if you're calling, uh, you know, the, on the, the other, the other line. Um, so I think it's also a matter of just uh, really getting used to it and uh, not really taking it personally. At the end of the day, it's part of the, I think, of, of, of business. And, uh, you know, most call centers right now, I think, does a great job in terms of training their uh, workforce, uh, in terms of communication skills, action, accent reduction, um, <clears throat> just to make sure that, you know, we are, uh, uh, you know, capable of really uh, doing the job, um, even if we're calling from the Philippines to other countries. So you worked in in a traditional call center for about three years, and and you made a move then. What what was the catalyst for for changing? Um, well, uh, if I'm going to think back, uh, I would say that uh, my journey from being a call center agent and becoming an online freelancer working from home was some sort of like. Um, an accident as well as I really did not have a choice um, in a sense because um, during that time, uh, you know, my wife got pregnant. Uh, so uh, basically, um, and when she got pregnant, 
I already had plans to like move to Manila uh, to uh, to work there still as a call center agent because my sister was already there, um, and, and she was like I think earning triple what I was earning here in Iloilo uh, because I think you know um, uh, in in Luzon um, they have uh, you know uh, uh, you know a good uh, not really good but um, you know it, it the, the the difference in salary um, is uh, you know good there so mm-hmm. I kind of like decided to hopefully go to Manila to continue working as a call center there because uh, because of that like. Like, uh, um, but, you know, when my wife got pregnant, I kind of like uh, thought to myself, like, um, you know, am I going to run away? It's like, it's like going to, uh, to be a situation where I'm going to run away of the obligation that I'll have because I kind of like um, had my wife uh, uh, pregnant. So, um, and, and then the freelancing industry was already, uh, I already heard about the freelancing industry from my office mates back when I was a call center in the call center. So uh, what I did was like um, uh, one of my friends was already working in a uh, software company in Australia. And she told me that, um, you know, they were looking for uh, business consultants or people that can also make telemarketing and tele sales, but working from home. And the salary was also good, um, uh, was similar to what I'm going to like, uh, received uh, from Manila, so I kind of like applied, send them my resume, send them a uh, recording of uh, myself, and then um, you know, a, a good thing they like my resume, they like my experience, uh, you know, they they like the case studies uh, that I've done before for certain companies in terms of sales and lead generation, uh, and so they decided to hire me. Um, so that um, so that uh, then I kind of like started uh, working as an online freelancer. I think way back in 2010, um, and serviced a software company in Australia um, and yeah uh, so that was the beginning of my uh, you know uh, online freelancing career um, and uh, I think I would say I, I uh, you know uh, I made a right decision uh, because um, for the fact that I, I didn't really have to leave Iloilo just to get uh, you know look for better opportunities I just stayed uh, I stayed in Iloilo, uh, you know, and then eventually our my first uh, my first uh, son, um, um, you know, was delivered, and uh, you know uh, we didn't really have to uh, you know uh, live separate ways because I I just uh, you know I just stayed in Iloilo uh, and continued working as a freelancer. That must have been a big decision though, yeah, because you're stepping into the void. You're leaving a a, a stable job with benefits. Uh, and then you're going into the freelancer market and, you know, the hourly rate is probably a little bit higher, but then, you know, you don't have the benefits and you're really fending for yourself, aren't you? But how did your career, what was the trajectory? You you got your first gig and then was it consistent after that? Yeah, I think you're correct in that, um, Derek. Uh, there was actually a lot of doubts before I went into the, the, the freelancing industry because uh, during that time, there was uh, I also uh, know a lot of friends that were scammed by different clients. Um, uh, they, were, they did not get paid and stuff like that. So that was one of the thoughts that I had. And it's correct, um, you know. I, I also thought about, you know, benefits uh, that I wouldn't be able to, like, get. But the thought of also getting, like, a uh, much higher pay, I thought to myself that I can also do, uh, you know, pay my own benefits if I'm, I'm going to get that. And, and I actually did. Um, uh, so uh, that's actually part of the uh, thing. But technically, all my doubts was actually erased when, when the client himself offered me, like, uh, what do you call this one? Because I didn't have internet connection that time when I started, uh, you know, bef- when, when they passed, when, when I knew that they have, they, uh, I qualified for what they're looking for, because I was actually living in a, uh, in an apartment uh, owned by, my, by a friend. 
and mm. my PC was quite old. But when the client sent me funds to like upgrade uh, my PC and uh, my uh, get my own internet connection, all those uh, all the uh, all the doubts just you know faded away and told myself this is legit, uh, because at the end of the day, the client is already you know extending help. Um, uh, before I even start work, so that just made my decision easy. But yeah, you're correct. Uh, I, uh, I when I when I before before that I had doubts. I had I questioned myself if this is the right decision or not. But you know, eventually, uh, you know, it was good. But yeah. Um, so it's interesting what you said there about uh, your friends getting ripped off, and I assume that's on platforms like Freelancer and Upwork, and you have direct experience of people doing work and not getting paid. Is that right? Because I, I contrast that with, you know, a real concern of prospective clients that have used Upwork and they have encountered, you know, unscrupulous workers that don't do the work and, and things like that. So this is a two-way street of it, of, of, of people basically ripping people off, is it? No, I think, um, uh, I mean, Upwork. If you're going to work on Upwork, you won't experience doing that. I think the reason why I I um, I went into Upwork in the first place was because of those experiences. Technically, because a lot of clients uh, you meet, uh, you know, on uh, on platforms before um, uh, the the experiences of my friends, I think, was before Upwork. Like they were like working it. with clients direct, not on uh, inside a platforms. Some of these clients, because just like the, my first client, it was it wasn't actually an Upwork. We just directed directly, uh, what you call this one, uh, contacted each other on email. Uh, there was Skype before, and then uh, you know signing of contracts. So I was just very lucky that. I think the 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 first clients that I had was uh, you know uh, were honest people and uh, you know they were they were not like scamming uh, Filipinos like other clients, uh, but I, I myself actually had experienced that before. That's the reason why right now, if you're going to ask me, um, I would not want to work outside of the Upwork platform because of the security that they're giving. Uh, to freelancers, to agencies like us. Um, and if you're on Upwork, you're secured, especially if you're just going to choose the hourly option to like be paid by, by clients. Uh, it, you're, you're 100% sure that uh, every hour that you're working will be paid and every uh, paid hour um, from the client will be worked on. Got it, got it. And that is a valuable, valuable service of Upwork then, isn't it? It intermediates the job and then it ensures the payment is made, held in escrow, and then if the work is done, then the payment is made. Yeah, um, and I think there, uh, there, uh, they don't really. I mean, their hourly um, contracts also works where um, uh, you know it's automated. Like you're using a tracker, uh, like uh, the the Upwork tracker. You're logged, you're logged in on the tracker, um, then the tracker just counts the number of hours that you're working. It has the capability to like get um, screenshots of your uh, work diary. It also has the capability to track your keyboard activities and uh, mouse clicks um, and then uh, you know it's connected to like the the, upward, the, the client's payment method uh, that means that you're sure that every hour you're getting paid uh, when you're logged in as long as your work you're uh, working you know work related tasks in terms of what the client is assigning to you you're going to get paid because technically every after uh, every after week a week uh, clients also have uh, time to like review your work diary just to make sure that um, you know they're reviewing work related tasks that you're doing and stuff like that um, that way uh, you know if ever they see that you know um, let's just say for example some screenshots would have like Facebook which 
which is not related non related to whatever task that they've assigned to you, they can actually just erase that one. It will deduct from the number of hours that you're you're going to get paid. But all the legit hours, all the approved hours uh, within the you know, within the hours that you're logged in are paid on Upwork 100%. Got it, got it. And Leaf, so you became effectively an agent working for yourself to you know direct with a foreign client, which is fantastic milestone. But then, how did you build this from from you to 421 people? Um, well. Um, Way back in uh, uh, 2011, um, I mean, I, uh, when I was working with a company in Australia, I was also uh, working with uh, with other clients. Uh, I mean, I think that's the beauty of uh, you know working from home as a freelancer because you control your own time. Um, I mean, the limit in working in the corporate world is only eight hours per day, uh, nine hours including lunch uh, lunch break. But uh, on the uh, you know when you when I was starting to work online, I was getting paid per hour, and I was not limited to the number of hours I worked. So I technically, when I was uh, working as a freelancer, I worked almost 16 hours per day. Like I have a client in the morning uh, in Australia, and I also have a client uh, clients uh, you know a client in in the U.S. Um, like a VoIP company in Boston. Um, so I kind of like juggled my time there. Um, um, so it's 14 to 16 hours per day. Uh, but then I had this client, not the, the first, the, the first client that I have, but another client, which is a, who is a business, uh, uh, broker, uh, who, who is a business broker in Australia. Um, and uh, I've been with them, I think for, um, almost a year that time or uh, yeah, almost a year, eight months, I think. And I mean, I think, uh, and that was I was already working with them on Upwork that time, um, 2011, because uh, basically I think I signed up with Upwork way back when I started working the, uh, in 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 freelancing. It's just that I didn't try that out um, until I started uh, working with that Australian company, and then I went into Upwork. So um, basically, that. 2011, that, that that client who is in the business brokerage business in Australia, they're actually uh, he's actually part of LJ Hooker in Australia. So um, I, uh, I was working as a telemarketing agent for him um, and his team. Basically, uh, I think they liked the performance that I had uh, delivering them leads uh, for you know businesses that are for sale in 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 the, the area that they're 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 servicing Australia. So they he actually offered me a, an opportunity where he told me that Brian, we need more people like you uh, to uh, work for us, um, and uh, what we'd like to do is for you to manage and train them. Um, and then he was very uh, vocal in telling me that, uh, but what we'd like to do is uh, for you to also create a business for yourself where, um, you know, you, I, we want you to do the recruitment, we want you to do the training, we want you to do the management, we will pay you and you will pay them. Uh, you uh, Just make sure that you get a cut out of what we are paying them. So just like, for example, um, they said that we're going to pay you uh, 40,000 pesos per month per agent. Uh, you can pay them, uh, you know, 30,000. You get the 10,000 per month. Uh, technically, I think he was, uh, that was basically the concept of, uh, that's basically the concept of the outsourcing, if you're go- going to think about it. And yeah. so, uh, you know, and so, I, I, and so I accepted it. And I was quite lucky because that time Upwork, which is Odesta time, was already allowing. They already have. They are already. They already have this um, uh, way of like freelance. If you're a freelancer on on Odesk, you can actually create your agency. And so um, that's where I started to manage everything because uh, uh, up, up Odesk that time and Upwork right now is providing everything for me. Like I can. Uh, 
financial reports are there. Uh, if I need to monitor my agents, I can just go to their work diary so that I can monitor their work. Um, uh, Odesk also provides uh, one the most important thing, just like what we discussed earlier, security in terms of making sure that you know, um, you know, we are getting paid. Uh, by the clients, uh, 100%. I mean, if if we have worked with uh, like more than eight, um, you know, 800 to 900 clients since 2011, 100% of them uh, paid us. Nobody, you know, nobody scammed and stuff like that. That's how secure Upwork is. So, and then also, um, you know, uh, and so that's that's how VWP uh, uh, started. Like that client offered me to hire, uh, you know, people to work for them. So I provided them seven. And then eventually, when I saw the demand that there was a lot of clients, just like my client in Australia, that are in need of experts in call center services like virtual assistants and, uh, and telemarketing and sales sales, I eventually uh, used my um, sales skills to basically approach them that hey. Um, my name is Leif. I have an agency here here in the Philippines. Um, you know, I'd like to offer you our uh, you know our services. We are a team of telemarketers or stuff like that. When they say yes, I then use Facebook. I was also lucky that time that Facebook was already active in terms of Facebook groups. So there were already a lot of like groups in the call center business that time in the BPO where mm-hmm. I just I just go into Facebook and tell everyone like, hey, uh, who's who'd be interested to like work for me? Um, you know, as a call center agent working from home, this is the salary offer. Um, if you want to apply, follow these instructions. So basically, if you're uh, in a sense, I like balanced uh, client acquisitions and Upwork on the other side, and then recruitment on the other side using Facebook. And eventually, I think you know, in less than a year, I think I was able to like uh, pull off putting in place like 50 call uh, call center agents um, working from home before. So yeah, wow. that was uh, that That's was incredible. Like, eh? Yeah, incredible journey. Well done, well done. I mean, you you know you were given an opportunity, I think, by that Australian client, but obviously you had proved yourself to that client, and you know he obviously he or she um, believed that you had capabilities of doing this, and then you obviously really proved it by executing, and then of course going the next step and you know building this incredible business that you do have now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it all. I think it all starts with someone believing in you, and then eventually, if you see the opportunity and if you value it and you work hard, eventually it will really grow. <laughs> Do you think you would have you would have seen that next step if it wasn't for the client suggesting that you did that? Was that would it have been like a natural progression, or you think that it was almost too big a leap? No, I mean, uh, throughout the experience that I have in the call center, Derek, I actually have two, um, I mean, I've been part of two different uh, call center startups here in Iloilo. Uh, that, that three years of uh, working in the call center, uh, three to almost four years, uh, I, I even was part of an investment in work uh, in creating like some sort of like a, a small call center before, but then it all failed because technically I, um, you know, we lacked the knowledge uh, to really actually grow a company and stuff like that. Um, we lacked we lacked a lot of processes that we need to um, basically apply to uh, to make the, the the company that we have uh, successful. Because I think we only thought that you know, whatever we saw when we were work because we were office mates, we, whatever we saw in the call center uh, experience that we had before, it was that simple. But it was not like 
it's 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 a combination of a lot of things by managing finance making sure you know you know um that we are i don't know managing um operational expenses managing people mm-hmm. managing people's people's emotions so at the end of the day i it's, already it's had the business of running a business isn't exactly it? There, there's so, a lot of complexity so in a sense i already had experience like uh starting out uh, like a small scale uh, contact center and and I failed. So eventually it was already part of my mind where I, I'd like to try this again. It's just that I think uh, the opportunity did not, re- uh, I just didn't expect that the opportunity would come when I, I mean, I was already satisfied when I was working from home and then the, the, that opportunity came, came in. And since I already had that um, experience before with my failed like uh, startups or contact centers, I kind of like realized, okay, so this, these are the things that I should do right so that, you know, whatever happened before will not happen again. So, yeah, that, that, that too. Sure. And so the, you, you got about 50 seats within the first year and now you're at about 420. How was that trajectory? Obviously, there was COVID, but was it, was it generally up and to the right or did you have dramas throughout that period? No, I mean, um, if you're going to think about it, it was way back in 2011, 2012, to, so, so far from COVID. Um, but our company eventually reached, uh, when I was starting the office, um, I would say the highest number that we have is more than 700, if, 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 I've, if I'm not mistaken, wow. um, uh, way back in 2014 and 2015, when I was starting. I mean, I, I, we had a lot of people working from home. We had five offices already that time um, all, all across the Philippines. So our numbers reached that, uh, that, uh, you know, that many. Um, basically, uh, because when I was growing the team, I was also looking for potentials uh, in terms of leadership and management. So basically, uh, just like I, what I shared earlier, I was keeping the balance of um, client acquisitions and recruitment. And then eventually, when I saw that there are agents working from home uh, that had potential in terms of be, uh, being salespeople, I promoted them as business development managers. I provided them training on how they can actually talk to clients, convince them to get our services, uh, virtual workforce professional services, go into service presentation calls, discovery calls. And, uh, you know, I, I trained them on how to talk to clients, convince clients that we are the right team for the job, how they would position themselves in terms of talking to clients to make them realize that, you know, outsourcing is needed. And then I also had some people that I saw there's potential to in managing agents. So I also promoted some uh, staffing managers to, uh, help me manage our agents um, and eventually because there was actually a time when I was a one a one-man show I think we reached 70 seats and I was like uh, having not enough sleep I, I, I can I can still remember the situation where I need to have um, you know I need to I need to get people's help in terms of managing the team and then that's just what I did I looked for potentials in our I would say farm team I promoted like I think uh, two business development managers and two staffing managers to help me out with managing agents and eventually I think it worked out where uh, we doubled our numbers, we doubled and doubled, and then I just continued to promote like managers within within the team to help me out in terms of closing clients on the other side and to help me out manage manage agents on the other side. So um, that's how VWP oh, that. basically, yeah, <laughs> grew, grew faster. And Leif, I've spoken to a lot of BPOs, and obviously we've you know all spoken at length about COVID and its impact. I've noticed some BPOs have they took a little dip 
and then they're well above where they were prior to COVID. You seem to have taken quite a big hit, you know, kind of approximately dropping maybe 50% and then rebounding a little bit from there. Why is that, do you think? Do you, can I ask, you know, are your clients the smaller sort of client, the, the entrepreneur, the solopreneur, and do you think that there's more uh, vulnerability when you are dealing with smaller clients that just take on VAs? What is the, why do you feel you had such a big drop-off from the COVID? Well, response? I think, Derek, because uh, you're right, um, our, most of our clients, I mean, my majority of our clients right now are small to mid-sized businesses, uh, startups, solo, uh, solopreneurs. Um, and some of our campaigns became uh, what you call uh, uh what you call this one, irrelevant during COVID-19. Like, for example, we have a lot of campaigns where I think we have more than 100 seats of agents that are doing appointment setting and lead generation program. When I say appointment setting, we are actually setting physical meeting with clients and their prospects. So let's just say, for example, um, one perfect example is, let's say, a commercial cleaning company in in, in Florida, right? In order for us, uh, the, our successful definition with them is we will call businesses within the area and approach people that, hey, our account executive will visit your facility because we'd like to give you a cleaning proposal. Um, so that, that kind of campaign become irrelevant because of the restrictions. So a lot right. of clients, I mean, that's not... Um, um, not just commercial cleaning. We also have clients within the merchant services uh, industry where, where we, we also need to set appointments. The real estate industry where they also meet, need to go to um, you know, uh, the uh, properties of homeowners to check their property, uh, to check um, you know, the, the, the situation of the home, um, how, motivated, how motivated they are in terms of selling the property. So that we have a lot of campaigns like that, like more than 100 that became irrelevant just because of restrictions. And so, um, you know, uh, I, I think a business person or a client would, uh, they just were just very transparent to us that, hey, business will be, uh, you know, this this kind of strategy right now will be impossible. I mean, we're doing great. We were we did really great to a lot of, for, to, for a lot of them before COVID-19. But then just because mm-hmm. of restrictions, like people were afraid to like go outside. People were afraid to like, um, for, to to have visitors at home or in their offices, or they don't even go to their offices. So we just had to stop the campaign because I don't think you know these clients want to like just continue working with us without any results. Sure. So those campaigns and there are dissolve. obviously there are obviously lucky industries and then unlucky industries. Obviously, if you're catering to people in travel or tourism or hotels, and then yeah, your your client requirement is just obliterated, basically, isn't it? Yes, that too. I mean, we have a lot of campaigns also where um, management companies that are uh, dealing with Airbnb, uh, we are the ones that are accepting their uh, you know bookings, uh, managing their booking calendar, their property, and so technically that industry was hit very hard. So th- those types of contracts also ended. But you know, uh, on the other side, I think there's there was there were also a lot of campaigns where. Um, uh, those that had were doing appointment setting, uh, uh, we just had to approach client that if you want, if, if you want, we can actually change strategy where instead of you meeting them face to face, we can schedule you a Zoom meeting with them so that you don't you won't have to go there. I mean, I would say out of a hundred, there were like maybe twenty clients that said yes, we would like to try try that that strategy, and it worked. But eighty percent would without types of campaigns still decided that you know this is uh, I, I don't think covid nineteen is uh, you know is, uh, it's a good idea to like still continue doing this so they they just had to end the contract with us sure got it and so leaf I want to change gear a little bit you have a relatively unusual 
strategy in terms of where you put your staff uh, and how you build your offices. Uh, and it's it's quite unusual, and and it, it's it's attracted a lot of attention from a lot of people in outsourcing and in the government because you are providing jobs in the provinces or in the sort of secondary and tertiary tier cities where a lot of outsourcing suppliers really aren't, uh, you know, it's just not on the radar yet. So can you explain a little bit your your strategy and, um, you know, where you place your staff? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think I'll start uh, with uh, talking about the uh, rural to urban migration. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but I think, uh, you know, this is happening all around the globe, most especially in the Philippines, where um, a lot of people from rural areas would decide to go to metro cities just because they're looking for work opportunities. And uh, I had the same mindset. I had the same mindset when I was still, um, you know, in Guimaras, in, in the province of Guimaras, where before even graduating in high school, um, I told myself that I'm going to go away uh, to look for work. And I, I would always hear some of my classmates say, you know, I'll, I'll go abroad, I'll go to Manila, I'll, I'll go to Cebu, just because there's really not no oppor- work opportunities that, uh, I mean, there are work opportunities in the provinces or on the rural areas, but it's just not the type of opportunities uh, that most people want because I think you know, Filipinos also want to have a better quality of life. And th- so they would be looking for, um, you know, uh, good opportunities that can basically change their way of living, improve their way, uh, their, their lives and stuff like that. And so um, th- knowing that, um, I told myself, like, for provinces like the province that I came from in Guimaras and a lot of provinces in the Philippines, I don't think there will be like a corporate BPO companies that will invest there because at the end of the day, uh, they would be looking for infrastructure, uh, especially, right, um, a good internet connection and stuff like that. And it just, uh, we're just, very, I think, very lucky that you know, VWP doesn't really need that kind of requirement in terms of really uh, like lease line, stuff like that. So, uh, with that mindset, I told myself, like, instead of Filipinos li- leaving their hometowns, leaving their homes to go to metro cities just because they're looking for opportunities, why don't we change that in terms of we will be the one to actually bring them the work? Mm. Like, we will, if you are from, from Cadiz City, uh, you just stay in Cadiz and we will bring the work there. We, o- we will open a center there. If you have customer experience, work with us. Uh, and so I think... Um, it, it's, it's uh, uh, I would say, uh, and I am also very lucky because I think a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Filipinos in my network also believed in the vision where, uh, like in Calibo, a clan, uh, in, in Cadiz City, um, uh, in, in, in different parts of the country, um, they believed, uh, you know, on the mission of VWP where we can actually we will actually, we can actually bring the jobs, call center jobs in their hometowns. And so they, we started opening shops in different parts of the countryside in the Philippines, um, just uh, to to be able to do that and to be um, you know um, on onto our mission where uh, you know instead of again Filipinos going to metro cities, leaving their hometowns, we will be the one to bring them jobs, um, you know in 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 their hometowns. That's why we have different offices all across the Philippines. And is that hard though, Leaf? You know, you're a busy guy. You're you're you know trying to manage a growing business. And it is logistically really tough to have a lot of offices in a lot of provincial towns and run the recruitment drives and find the caliber of people. Uh, it, you know, are you doing this? Is it a, is it a sort of commercial drive or, or what is your main motivation to, to do this? 
Well, I think um, in in a sense, uh, it, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, it's uh, you're correct in saying it's it's uh, kind of like uh, hard to like manage uh, this kind of setup. But at the end of the day, I think I also uh, are, I'm also very lucky to have found like um, like team members and business partners that are actually on the um, on with me with the mission. So basically, right now our company uh, has has evolved into like the one that I explained earlier. We have business development teams, you have staffing managers. Right now we have, uh, I've, I've created a company the past 10 years to have evolved into a company where we have different departments. Of course, just like any other companies, we have HR, we have um, the sales team, we have the account management department, and each and uh, each off, uh, we also have the main office where I am right now that is controlling all the operations ac- across the Philippines. So, and each of our call centers uh, locations have their own team leaders that's co- that coordinates with our team here in the main office in Iloilo. So, I mean, we've been doing this for the past, uh, you know, this setup has been uh, this way for the past, I think, four years. And um, I think things are already seamless um, where we we no longer uh, feel that it's hard to manage a team like this. It's it's seamless in a way where we're very comfortable in terms of, of course, we still want to improve things. But basically, I think we are on a stage where even if we reach a thousand, maybe 10,000 agents, it will still be seamless in a way because of the way we have set up the management team and our processes here. And what are some of the pros and cons then for, I suppose, from your perspective, but primarily from the client perspective of having staff outside of the main centers? You know, why, why, how, why buy in the province uh, versus the city? Well, um, I think, uh, Derek, if I'm not sure if um, uh, my, 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 uh, you know, my numbers are correct, but I think, um, most, if I'm if I'm going to uh, think about 100% of the workforce that are currently working in the cities, I would say, um, I think 60 to 80% comes from the provinces. So basically, mm-hmm. uh, um, there's really no difference in terms of the 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 skill sets that you can get if you're going to hire from metro cities or in the provinces. One of the I think great greater advantage of um, of putting in place uh, call centers and for clients to hire in the provinces is because. Um, I mean, I'm 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 not I, I'm not saying that uh, you know call centers in the cities will will not value it, but I feel like um, you know the thought of us providing them or bringing them the work opportunities, um, you know, call center agents and virtual assistants that are currently working in the provinces value their work more than the mm-hmm. the ones in the cities because at the end of the day, where can um, you know they're they're just staying in their hometowns we have like single moms like they work in manila for 7 years in the call center they when they were still working in manila um they they can only see their their daughter she can only see her daughter for like once a month or even once a quarter mm-hmm. but right now every day she can see her daughter um she's just staying in cadiz and then basically uh see her daughter every day and earn almost the same or even more than what she was earning in Manila. So that thought alone, I think, would tell us that, you know, you know, if you give them the right opportunity, these Philippines, and I think that's also the secret sauce uh, why VWP is also growing so much because our agents have the uh, have this mindset where they value their the work that we're providing them uh, because, you know, of, of that, uh, that's just one thing. Um, other things is like, you know, they're, they're, they, uh, you know, they can, 
their 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 office is just like a walk away from their house or they can just take a motorcycle from from their house not like the cities where they they need to get through traffic and stuff like that so i think there's a lot of factors that would i would say that uh you know in terms of skill sets there's really no difference um uh i mean in terms of the type of training that we're providing um there's also no difference as compared to like if clients would hire in the metro cities or clients hiring from us uh, with workforce from the countryside. Got it. And Leif, you started on Upwork. It is a, a very powerful platform, you've said, and it supports all of your workflows. Are you still working from Upwork? work now? Yes, I would say um, 90% of our work process is within Upwork. I mean, we have we also have direct clients, uh, clients that are, um, you know, uh, that I meet on uh, LinkedIn, or we also have a, uh, like an outside lead generation team that does uh, lead generation for, for our company outside of Upwork. But I would say 80-90% um, of our operation are inside Upwork. Upwork has been very generous in terms of sending us opportunities. Um, um, and I think we've also, um, def- uh, what you call this one, developed our um, online credibility on the platform where we are actually one of the top three uh, top-rated plus team providing telemarketing and telesales on the plat- platform after working more than um, 800,000 hours since 2011. So, um, and, you know, clients can actually see that a lot of our, uh, of the clients that we are working with also leave us good feedback where they can see publicly and you guys can actually see it publicly. Um, And that alone speaks a lot where, um, you know, we, that, you know, when when they see our profile on Upwork and when the client from Upwork sees our profile on Upwork, they would see that, you know, we are, we are a very successful team. We have a 96% job success score, and this is not something that we made of. Upwork gave that score to us and the, the badge, which is top-rated plus badge, because um, you know, we have been also very successful in providing you know, our services to their clientele. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's a boomerang success where because of the way we work for their previous clients uh, or our previous clients on Upwork, you know, um, they're getting... They're get, where our agency is also being optimized on a platform where if they they open uh, like a telemarketing and telesales job with a virtual assistant job, um, I think there's a system on Upwork that it would suggest our agency or some of our clients that are also our agents that are top rated. And then, you know, a lot of clients would send us, um, you know, job invitations. A lot of clients would tell us, hey, Leif, my name is, um, you know, Derek. I have an open job, telemarketing and telesales on Upwork. I'd like your agency to apply. So, you know, Upwork has been very, uh, you know, instrumental in terms of the success that we've also been able to bring here in the Philippines. Got it. And what are your plans now, Leif? You're uh, obviously, you know, we all need to recover from COVID. Uh, there's there's a certain amount of rebounding there, but I think I think eventually global economies are going to recover. Uh, where do you see the trajectory of uh, of your business well, going um, forward? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't say that things are, I think, uh, back to normal right now because uh, t- technically um, uh, it's not. But I think uh, I've noticed that since I think July or September last year, the number of clients uh, that we see that are getting interested in our services and we are able to acquire is actually doubled than last year. I'm not sure if it's because the, uh, of the COVID effect, but there, we actually are having a good amount of clients that are coming in, um, embracing outsourcing, um, em- embracing to use you know Filipinos to work for them. Um, since I think a lot of people are working from home, 
they are currently managing their business virtually um, and online. And uh, basically, some 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 businesses in the U.S. Uh, would uh, are making a decision to shift into instead of them hiring like in-house staff, they would just hire freelancers. And Upwork is very instrumental into that. So we're actually, um, I would say, since July until this month, we're actually I, I think this is the first time since the, the past 10 years that we've seen this kind of fast growth within our company, like number of people that we are able to hire, number of contracts that we're able to put in place on a weekly basis. So, you know, future plans is, um, I mean, we are about to uh, uh, officially sign a part, another partnership in Cagayan de Oro in uh, Mindanao. Uh, we are about to open another office in uh, Oton, in Iloilo, uh, Oton, Iloilo. It's uh, one of the municipalities here in Panay. Um, our Kalibo uh, um, Aklan office is about to put in place another office, their second office there, because we also are, we are targeting 100 seats there. Uh, and our, um, you know, our office in Cadiz from just one room, we now have three rooms and we also have a target to like reach uh, 100 seats there before the end of the year and i think they're they're on track because i think they're about to hit 70 um this this week or this month uh, and then also we just opened another office in sagai in northern negros island um and so yeah um i think my 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 future plan is uh, our expansion plans just was put on a hold because of covid but i think when things start uh, when restrictions start to be lifted or when I see that there are already clear ways, not, not too much restrictions in terms of travel, I'm going to, you know, go around the Philippines again and uh, basically um, share, um, you know, the mission of VWP and hopefully, you know, meet, uh, you know, ICT champions in different, you know, provinces that would believe in our mission so that we can also start with partner uh, partnering them and we can put up call center in their areas so that they can, you know, put up their own call center um, in, in their municipalities and provinces. Well, that's a fantastic story, Leif, and congratulations. <laughs> I mean, you've, you've, you know, you're supporting not only uh, over 400 employees, but 400 families and also the, the provincial communities that are, that, that are surrounded by those those workers and families. So incredible, incredible mission and incredible success. Leif, I just want to leave maybe on the final question, but the how you've been working in offshore staffing and you've been courting clients now for over 10 years, how have you seen it change? The, the awareness of offshore staffing, the awareness of Philippine workers, the awareness of remote and online. How have you seen all this evolve over over the last ten, eleven years? Well, um, I think if I may, uh, if I'm going to think about it, um, Derek. I mean, on the um, when I was starting to do client acquisitions or sales to uh, convince clients to like work with VWP before, you actually need to, like, I think um, it's it was harder before. Uh, right now, it's easy to explain to people about the concept of outsourcing or working with, uh, you know, uh, virtual assistants or working with online freelancers, because I think um, right now it's it's all over media. It's uh, it's on mainstream media. Mm-hmm. You um, you know, uh, and it's all over, all over Facebook and stuff like that. So especially if uh, their industry is really uh, effect like the real estate industry. A lot of I think a lot of uh, real estate. Um, I, I would say 90 to 95 uh, percent of real estate agents that are in the U.S. and Canada right now are familiar with the term virtual assistant so um technically it, it has it, it has evolved in a sense where it's it, you you no longer have to explain very hard to people the advantage of outsourcing it's just 
uh, you just have to tell them what value you can provide to the table as a team um, and what makes you uh, different in terms of if they're going to hire other cultures or other agencies or stuff like that. But I would say, I, I mean, um, by just talking to clients, it's quite different. And if I'm going to talk about the workforce, that too, like way back in 2011, not a lot of Filipinos know about um, online freelancing, know about virtual assistants. But right now, I think the government, especially the ICT, because of their programs, a lot of Filipinos right now are open to like working in agencies like ours, working from home as call center agents or virtual assistants, just because um, you know there's a lot of message um, you know in on Facebook that tells them that hey, this is a legitimate job. This could actually boost your career, change your life, and stuff like that. So yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really changing, isn't it? And I think on both sides of the equation, there's just so much more awareness of globalized employment, and then there's a lot less requirement to educate people about it. It's more just you know saying that we can do the job for you, and uh, it, it's it's a better world for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Really, isn't and it? I think one of the factors also, Derek, um, is the the how the infrastructure improved here in the Philippines. Like when I was starting in in the call, in in working from home, the max speed that I can actually get from an an ISP or a internet service provider way back in um, you know in 2010 is like two Mbps. Right now, uh, and uh, you you you'd be paying about like two thousand pesos. But right now. For like 3,000 uh, 3, pesos here in the Philippines, you can already get like 100 Mbps of uh, like fiber connection, uh, de- depending if it's available in your area. So I think that too um, affects uh, how how this is uh, you know um, how this is growing the freelancing industry, the BPO industry. Like I think aside from us as an agency or VWP putting up shop in different parts of the Philippines uh, in small scale call centers or contact centers. I think there are also a lot of, uh, you know, other, uh, other startups that are doing the same as us, um, you know, and they're able to do that. And actually we are able to do this and we're confident that we are able to do this because we've seen the improvement of infrastructure in different areas of the Philippines, especially internet connectivity. I mean, we can do, uh, we can always provide like, um, Generator sets if we have problems in 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 power failures, but for internet, if it didn't improve, that could have affected our growth or even the the the, the BPO industry in in provinces, uh, you know, up, up to this year. Absolutely, it's so critical, isn't it? That that the world needs to be connected, and then once they're connected, you know, all kinds of amazing stuff is going to yes. happen. But you need to get people connected and. Once they are connected to the internet, they're literally connected to the global economy, aren't they? And then so that just just boosts opportunity for for everyone. Super, super exciting. Totally agree. (laughs) So thank you so much, Leif. Um, Of course, give people your contact details or if people want to know any more, how can they find out? So, yeah, I mean, um, uh, for, for you guys who are listening right now, um, you know, if, if you want to also impact our mission here in the Philippines to bring uh, jobs and economic opportunities for the Philippines in a form of call center services and virtual assistance, if those are the types of, uh, you know, services that you're looking for, you can actually uh, get in contact with us. Our website is uh, virtualworkforcepro.com. Um, again, it's virtualworkforcepro.com, and you can also contact me um, on email. It's brian at virtualworkforcepro.com. Again, it's brian at virtualworkforcepro.com. We, you can also 
find us on Facebook. Uh, just search Virtual Workforce Professionals, and uh, you know you'll be directed to our page. Um, and uh, you know, so that's uh, that's it. That's great, Lee. Thanks so much. Great to chat. All right. Thank you so much, also Derek, for having me. Have a great day and stay safe. That was Leif Brian Magallo. If you want any of the show notes, as always, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And as always, if you want to send us an email, just email us at ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.